Raspberry Pi 2 in the house. It's faster, but can you really use it as a desktop? Microphones for Twitch games, streaming, Shannon's got mics from Razer and Blue, power converters, cheap backups, and quite a bit more, all coming up on Tech Thing. Tech Thing is brought to you by viewers like you. If you get value from the show and would like to support us directly, please consider contributing at patreon.com slash techthing. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. So I'm super excited about this. Patrick finally got his Raspberry Pi 2 Model 2. It's finally yes. arrived. The Model 2, the new version, the faster version of the Raspberry so Pi. So I have, I have two questions for you, two or questions. like seven. <laughs> Most likely. So first off, okay. can you use it as a desktop? And second, can you run Windows 10 on it quite yet? Well, those are excellent questions. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the whole Raspberry Pi concept, um, you know, this may, if you are it familiar, looks familiar. With, yeah, this is basically the same physical layout as a Raspberry Pi Model B, yeah. uh, the, the version one. And for folks out there who aren't familiar with the Raspberry Pi PC, it's essentially a $35 credit card size computer. It uses HDMI TV or a monitor for a screen, standard USB keyboard and mouse, and it's really a computer, uh, mostly running Linux. You can build a Plex box to stream video to your HDTV, run a Minecraft server on it, build a tracking satellite, like a satellite tracking system for it. Yes. Sync boxes, DIY cameras, robot brains. Oh yeah. There's this is really it's a simple ARM computer, right? Mine is, at home can track the uh, the International Space Station. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's crazy. So it's an inexpensive <laughs> computer. Mm -hmm. um, like I said before, the Raspberry Pi has the same layout to the Raspberry Pi Model B. It fits in the same cases. Uh, it's got a you know, like click in, click out micro SD card slot, which I'm really thankful for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the big difference though is the quad core 900 megahertz ARM Cortex-7 CPU. It's in a Broadcom BCM2386 system on a chip with one gigabyte of RAM. That's a big jump up. Yeah. Not in terms of like megahertz, because it's like a 700 megahertz ARM 11 Broadcom BCM2386 system on a chip in the previous version with half the RAM. Uh, but the fact that the previous version was single core and this is quad core. Yeah. So uh, software from the Raspberry Pi 1s will work on the Raspberry Pi 2s and vice versa. Uh, there is a new version of Noobs out, which is the basic um, bootloader that the Raspberry yeah. Pi puts together. It lets you set it up, basically. I've been playing around. I, I like Berry Boot. I'm used to it. So I've been using that to load the operating system onto my Pi. Um, you don't have everything in the box you need with the thirty-five dollar box. What does it come box. with? Just, so just the board itself. You get the board. Okay. Okay. So to actually get it running, you're going to need a micro USB power source. I use it like a two amp cell phone adapter. The one amp should work just oh, fine. Yeah. You need a micro SD card um, to basically load the operating system. Mm -hmm. uh, keyboard, mouse, uh, HDMI cable to attach it to a monitor. Uh, USB Wi-Fi adapter if you want to do USB Wi-Fi and like a $7 Wi-Fi adapter will work. Oh, okay. um, Ethernet is built into the board as is the HDMI adapter. Um, Berry Boot's really simple. Like I said, I'm going to play with noobs later this week. Uh, you download it, you extract the files to the micro SD card, stuff that into the slot on the Pi, boot the Pi, which basically means plugging in the power source and that turns it on. And you basically two clicks and then you start downloading and operating you systems. It. Yeah, right. so I've been running Puppy Linux on it mostly. So one of the things that people have been using the Raspberry Pi for a lot is emulation. So <gasps> they were previously they were doing like third and fourth generation platforms. So now the fifth generation platforms like the Nintendo 64 oh and the PlayStation 1 are running. People have run benchmarks and they are getting that like 6x, 7x performance. That's um, cool. Not in every area. Uh, and it's kind of crazy. Yes, you can use it as a desktop. Yeah. You know, in fact, 
you know, we've got some video. If you plug it into the HDMI, I cannot see the HDMI monitor this is attached to, except as a giant. It's, it's sort <laughs> it's of like on a, a monitor, <laughs> like yeah, way out there. So I'm not being able to see it. But you know, look, this is. Uh, if I can, it looks good. You know, oh, there. <laughs> you know, the the pointer for the mouse is unbelievably tiny at this point. So. You know, it's running full web pages. Oh, wow. Right? I mean, it's not running them super fast, but I also, I could probably lower the resolution on the screen and, and yeah. do a couple things. But yeah, it's, you know, it's working as a desktop. Have you tried, um, like, watching Netflix on it or anything like that? I'm just starting to play around with it. you can't do that in, in Linux now. Yeah, it'll, it'll <laughs> play video. I haven't set up Netflix yet. At this point, I was walking before I ran, plus I got distracted because I was playing around with sync and stuff. <laughs> it's no Core i3, but look, the previous Raspberry Pi was unusable as yeah. a desktop machine with a GUI. Now, to get to your question about Windows 10, so big announcement when they released Raspberry Pi Model 2, kind of out of nowhere, Windows 10 is coming to Raspberry Pi 2. And everybody's like, Windows really? on a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Well, it's probably going to be more like the, the Windows of boxes. So like Internet of Things. Internet of Things. Okay. So home controllers, automation devices. Yeah. It's kind of funny, right? Because when you look at the sample applications, hello Blinky, learn how to create a new project, configure Video Studio for deployment and debugging, and learn how to use general purpose I.O. using wiring, um, 16 by 2 LCDs, how to interact with a GPIO port expander and MediaShield to create a piano, right? So, you know, a lot of this is really cool stuff if you're a programmer. So this is for developers. Yeah, I don't see, it's kind of funny because essentially this is a, you know, this is is like a cousin to a current cell phone processor. Yeah. So I don't see why they couldn't put the Windows 10 cell phone GUI on there, but then you would need like a touch screen. That's and that gets true. kind of expensive. So yeah. I'm curious to see what it comes up to. If you want to be a part, I mean, it's going to be developer heavy, right? Yeah. You know, I've heard rumors that there won't be a GUI. There's a possibility hmm. that it will be a GUI. The whole Windows uh, developer program for Internet of Things started uh, with Intel's Galileo, which is essentially Intel's version of an Arduino board. Oh. Um, so, you know, if you want to get involved, um, you basically you go to the Windows developer website and sign in. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when it comes out and what yeah. it comes out with. So to answer your question in the TLDR it version, yet. it's coming. It's coming. It's okay. not here yeah. yet. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. Like, I don't think hmm. it's—I don't think it's going to be like a command line interface, but it could be. Well, I can figure it out if it is. Yes, you can. <laughs> but like, it would be really crazy and cool to be running Windows 10 on a $35 computer in a way that looks like the Windows 10 on everything else that says Windows 10. I'm really. I'm Kind of curious about that now. <laughs> we wait with bated breath. Oh, by the way, yes, uh, Xenon strobe type flashes for photos will reboot mm. the Raspberry Pi. It's an example of the photo read about effect. That. Um, Apparently, if, there is a photosensitive uh, sensor on it. Yeah, well, it's it's a sensor or light, that light sensitive. But it, it's not it's not like it's intentionally photosensitive. <laughs> yeah. It's a sensor. It's just like oops. <laughs> Yeah. Our bad. <laughs> well, there's a. We'll put a link in the show notes to explain what the effect is, and you know, blue tech over the little chip will eliminate the problem. This so is so just stick it in a box. Well, no, th this is this is not a. You know, we have a lot of bright lights in here. This is not a bright light problem. This is not an indoor problem. This is not an outdoor problem. This is a particularly peculiar thing involving the physics of xenon strobe flashes for people that like to take pictures of Raspberry Pis. That is so funny. It is so <laughs> geeky, I cannot even begin to discuss it. So, we're working on projects for this. Uh, um, I want to build all sorts of things that automate my household. Well... Except they're not connected to the internet because I'm super paranoid of people. How about a... Uh, <laughs> well... We got some stuff coming up. <laughs> if you're curious, if you have some project ideas for us, do us a favor, email ask at techthing.com. Do it. And speaking of asking, 
What's going on at Hack5 this week? Well, I actually host a show over here in the same exact building called Hack5 with Darren Kitchen. This week I'm checking out Arduinos again, but this time I'm checking out Serial Connection specifically and how to read outputs into the IDE. And I'm having a little bit of fun with ASCII art. And Darren is over, of course, over in Europe. You can check out everything he's doing at hackacrosseurope.com. He's taking his FPV travel kick to Berlin's decommissioned international airport called Tempelhof Field. And I probably mispronounced that, but I'm, I don't speak German. So <laughs> check it out, everything that we're doing over at hak5.org. It is now time for a rapid fire round. This is where we'll try to answer three different questions, give three different recommendations, or review three different products in less than a minute each. And this week, we are backing up on the cheap. Are you ready? <laughs> go! I'm ready! Let's go! <laughs> So we mentioned backing up your system at the end of every show. Yeah. Ideally, we want what we call a 3-2-1 situation. Three copies on two different formats, at least one off-site. Apparently, this is the international sign for one <laughs> off-site. Off <laughs> so badass NAS boxes that are fire and flood-proof, uh, like IOSA's 1515 Plus, are oh, awesome. Beautiful. But you don't have to spend a couple grand to back your files up. So cheap backup tools to save your uh, data. <laughs> at the very least, Buy a thumb drive, copy your favorite files onto it, put it into an OtterBox, put it in a Pelican case or a frickin' Ziploc bag. There you go. Make sure you put the air out or it'll float away. <laughs> Bonus points if you get two and store one of them somewhere else. What else would I back up at the very least? Favorite digital photos, tax docs, scans of critical family documents, your thesis, the great American novel, just the stuff you can't live without. I get that. You know, at the very least, put it in the thumb drive, Put it in a drawer, put it somewhere else, put it at, send it to your friend that lives in another state because it's doubtful that a natural disaster is going to hit yeah. New Jersey and San Francisco on the, in the same weekend. You can get a super cheap yeah. little fire safe box that you can store in mm -hmm. your closet for like 30, 40 bucks at Target. Just make sure it's really fire safe. Yes. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Both Seagate and Western Digital make excellent portable hard drives. USB 3.0 or Lightning will back up your files much faster. For under 100 bucks, you can get a terabyte. For 125 bucks, you're probably getting at least two terabytes terabytes in a little tiny portable drive. Um, image your entire drive if you want to off your computer using Carbon Copy Cloner or Super Duper on OS X. Macroom Reflect or Kronos Trim Image or Clonezilla are great for Windows. Or just back up subsets of your files like the 10,000 photos just sitting on your laptop waiting to be lost. No. So that you could spend your golden years thinking of all of the pictures of your children you had oh. that you don't have anymore oh, because so you didn't move them into a second place. Um, <laughs> crash plan. Crashplan.com, which resolves to code42.com slash crashplan. I love this service. Yes, you can pay per month to use their cloud storage, and it's pretty reasonable. As low as $4 a month. They have family plans for 9 bucks a month. But you can also back up to other computers or external drives for nothing. So it's kind of cool. So you can work with friends or family yeah. or your office PC and your home PC to back up files remotely and securely. You get unlimited storage, and it's pretty cool, right? So Windows, Mac, Linux, back up to other computers, back up to external drives, unlimited online storage, 448-bit file encryption, it goes on and on and on. <laughs> it starts for as little as 14 bucks a month for a family plan that does 2 to 10 computers, 4 bucks a month if you buy like 4 years at the individual Not plan. a bad price at all. 6 bucks a month to back up your individual computer remotely in the cloud. Just do it. So, so what you're saying, Patrick, is I should, I should back everything up. Micro SD card, thumb drive, <laughs> external hard drive, there crash plan, Carbonite, Dropbox, BitTorrent Sync. It's 2015, people, just do it. 
Poople. Please. You say Poople? Poople. 2015 Poople. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tweet at Tech Thing. Post on Facebook.com slash Tech Thing or email us. Ask at TechThing.com with your favorite disaster data story. Preferably one that doesn't make us weep openly on air. <laughs> and and we'll share it with everyone. Or just read it privately for our own motivational purposes if you prefer. <laughs> Oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> so now let's go ahead and take a moment to thank our sponsor, and then we will check out some great options for video game streaming. Microphones. Yeah. I want to thank each and every one of you that supported us on Patreon because this episode of Tech Thing is brought to you by viewers like you. Seriously, if you like the show, you want to keep it coming, please consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash techthing. You can donate a nickel, a dime, or even $5 per episode. More if you got the scratch. We won't say no because we like food and health insurance and feeding our children or my children. And that contribution goes directly back into us keeping the show going for you. And remember, if you can't donate, no worries. We'd love it if you shared the show with your friends, subscribed on YouTube, or just sent in your questions on your favorite social network. Thank you so much for supporting Tech Thing, and please do us a favor, go check out patreon.com slash techthing. Twitch streaming is huge, right? It's gaming, you talk over it, you share it with your friends and family and a billion other people on the internet. In CES, we saw several microphones pitched at people that are streaming on Twitch and making their audio sound better. So do these $100, $200 microphones actually make a difference? Intrepid tester Snubs <laughs> got her gamer on. This is It was fun. So I tried four different microphones over the weekend. The first one was the Razer Siren. Then I went over to the Blue Yeti Blackout. The third was the Samson C01U USB condenser microphone, which is what I use at home. And third, I was able to borrow Patrick's nice PR40, which is by Heil, I Able believe. Heil. Yeah. Well, I was, I was laughing because it's like, you know they're for gamers because yes. they're black. <laughs> well, these two are definitely touted for gamers. Mm -hmm. These two are more for studio use, for audio, for uh, people that record music or right. for podcasters. So that's one of the main differences I did want to point out. Um, I also noticed there's a difference. There's condensers and there's dynamics. Right. That's the classic. You were talking about this before. That's the yeah. classic microphone, like condenser versus dynamic. Huh? Yeah. So yours is a dynamic, <laughs> right. and these guys are condensers. So condensers are, they're a little bit more sensitive, so they're good for quieter surroundings. It's also really easy to destroy them. Yes. <laughs> Dynamics are a little bit more hardcore. They're made for very much louder surroundings, and you can basically put it through the test, and it'll yeah. keep on going. Well, the, the classic dynamic microphone is a Shure SM58. If you've been to a concert, yeah. you've seen one of these. They're usually like, the usually that little screen is dented and they're beat up they're pretty much impossible to kill oh yeah like there's a coil that <laughs> vibrates inside of it you know cardioid mics you can kill or you can blow them out with too much volume dynamic mics are just they aren't as sophisticated sounding in an audiophile sense condenser but yeah they just don't sorry dynamics. sorry yeah that's okay <laughs> so yeah. there's also the four different audio types that you can get mm -hmm. and you mentioned cardioid that's one of them right. there's also bi-directional omnidirectional and stereo that's the last <laughs> one so cardioid is what you want to use for podcasting because it picks up what's directly in front of the microphone. Mm -hmm. Bidirectional is two different directions, so that would be good for interviews. Mm -hmm. Omnidirectional is all around, so if you want to pick up the entire area and make right. it sound like you're actually there, that's omnidirectional. And then stereo is going to give you that left and that right channel. So first off, we had the Razer Siren. So this guy costs $180. You can find it over at razorzone.com. Uh, this one obviously touted for your gamers. It's interesting. It's plug 
and play. It's USB. It does all four different audio types, cardioid, omnidirectional, uh, bidirectional, and stereo. Mm -hmm. And it has three 14 millimeter condenser capsules inside of it, plus a headphone jack, and you can control the gain and all this There's cool all stuff. There's all sorts of crazy stuff going on in this bike. There is a lot of crazy stuff going on with that you one. You did you have to reboot your machine four times to install all the drivers for that? So interestingly enough, okay. Windows 7 worked fine, totally plug and play. It was perfect. And mm -hmm. even though the drivers were installed, they installed in the background. I didn't have to worry about it. On my Windows 8 device, I had to restart it three times. The drivers had to update in the background for okay. the uh, update manager. And eventually, I was able to record it into Audacity and use the microphone on this computer. So generally speaking, for all four of these microphones, sounded better than a cheap headset or a oh, cheap yeah. standalone mic. Absolutely. Okay. I used to use this terrible Logitech thing back when I was in like, college. <laughs> it was just a headset, and it right. was so bad. And then okay. I had one of those little teeny tiny tabletop microphones that you speak into. Really, really bad. These are much better. So how did the Razer sound? When it's so. three microphones and it's <laughs> multiple patterns and it's because it's funny because it actually has an LCD display on it. There's a lot it of stuff does, going on here. It does, yeah. So I wrote down my notes on this so I could explain them to you. So first I used a quiet setting, no background noises whatsoever, mm -hmm. and I kept the game audio muted down to the lowest setting as if I was using my headphones. In that case, the siren was, it gave me a softer sound. Mm -hmm. It wasn't hot at all, so it didn't. I didn't burst it out at, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It picked up the hum of my computer and the keyboard clicks. Not just okay. the table noise, the, but the vibrations, actual... but the actual clicky-clicky of my mechanical keyboard. So, and that was in the, the cardioid pattern? Yes. So lots of mechanical, well, exactly. you weren't even using a mechanical keyboard, so. Well, I used a mechanical at home. Okay. Here, this is not mechanical, and I was still able to pick up okay. the clicks from my keyboard. Um, when I used it in omnidirectional, there is a little bit more hum in the background, sure. but my voice was clear, so that's good. Um, when it's bidirectional, though, the clicking is a lot more obvious. There was a lot of room noise, not as bad as omnidirectional, mm -hmm. but I was able to, I had you interview basically sure. back and forth. I was able to pick up both of our audio very clearly with the bidirectional audio. And I was like way over here. You were pretty far that. away. Yeah, right. you were quite a few feet away. You were, you know, clapping away from it. You were speaking away from it. And I was able to pick up very clear voices in both settings. So it's a very sensitive microphone. It is. It's very sensitive. Ab absolutely so. Uh, I also tried it with 50% background noise with uh, the game volume at 50%. Mm -hmm. So you could hear, like, the gunshots and the audio from mm -hmm. the, the video game itself. In that case, you could still hear the hum. The music and the gunshots from the game are a lot more clear. But they aren't necessarily overpowering. Okay. So... It was decent. Uh, when I tried it with environmental noises, such as somebody speaking in the background in mm -hmm. a different room, uh, I tried Neil deGrasse Tyson on TV because he has a very <laughs> droning voice. It doesn't really change throughout it. It was a perfect, perfect testing. <laughs> and I also used a washer in the background for kind of a droning sure. setting. A droning but a, a noise. noise you generally don't want your microphone to exactly. pick up. Exactly. It didn't pick up the washer at all. It did okay. pick up Neil deGrasse Tyson's voice. And I could actually hear exactly what he was saying, even oh, though funny. it was in a different room. And I was like, oh, wow. That uh, that black, that black cloud in the sky. So very interesting. Thank you for telling me about the planets. On to the blue Yeti. So this one is 150. It's on sale for 129 mm -hmm. on Amazon. This one's pretty nice. It comes with well several different colors. The newest one being the blackout. Right. So this one is plug and play. It is also all four different audio settings, also three 14 millimeter condenser capsules as well. So zero, zero latency headphone jack on here, you can control the gain. So pretty much the same exact settings as this one as far as hardware. Right. I was like, okay, so this would probably sound exactly the same, right? 
Oh, it's a good theory. You, you would, yeah, it's a good theory, but hardware <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean it will be exactly the same. Blue Yeti, very, very clear audio with using uh, cardioid. Mm -hmm. So when I was speaking into this, I was able to hear myself very, very good. It still picks up clicks, still picks up computer hum, but they aren't as obvious okay. as the Siren. So more directional than the Razer. Much more directional. So if you want to use, uh, in this case, if you want to use something for interviews or for uh, picking up the entire sure. room setting, the Siren's probably going to be the choice that you want to make. But if you're just picking up your audio quality, the Blue Yeti definitely right. kicks butt. And if you're gaming and you don't want the clacking sound of yeah. mechanical keyboard, you would... <laughs> this one's definitely a lot better. Yeti. I could still hear a little bit of the gunshots when I picked up the, the mm -hmm. video game to up to 50% volume. And the character voices were very, very soft. So it, okay. it wasn't obvious, but you know they were just kind of in the background okay. a little bit of background noise not too bad uh, last off I did have the Samsung C01U this mm -hmm. one when it first came out it was 235 bucks now it's only 60 <laughs> it's been out for a long time been $60 for like a year now or something <laughs> yeah okay that's how much I bought it for I'm cheap so this thing plug-and-play also USB it can only do cardioid pickup patterns okay nothing else so the thing about this one I noticed was it, it picked up my voice very hot when I had it on right. the same settings on my computer, recording in Audacity. It was very sensitive. It was hot, yeah, okay. it, it, it like picked up everything. So I picked up the humming from my computer, the mm -hmm. clicks of my keyboard, and I was just like, man, I feel bad for everybody that's ever you know interviewed me on a podcast Well, now. you could, could you turn the <laughs> level down and dial that down some, or? Not actually on the Samsung itself. Sure. You can do that in your computer settings. Okay. So that's definitely a possibility. Um, the gain on this one, I also set that on my computer mm -hmm. to 50% to match the first two. Still very hot, though. Okay. So that's an issue with the Samsung on the lower end. Right. Well, you could, but you could turn that. So you could also, yeah, you could the, turn it down. if you have the softest voice on the planet, yep. the $60 microphone is going to... You can always turn it right back up. Okay. So yeah, there's there's definitely that option. Uh, when I had the game volume up, I could hear the gunshots. I could hear the music from mm -hmm. the game. I was able to pick up my husband talking in the kitchen whenever he came in after work. <laughs> so it, it's very, very, very sensitive in that case. And last off, we had the Heil, the PR40. So this one, are you ready for the price? I'm ready. $375 on sale for $327. And you're going to require Ooh. an external analog to digital converter. Yeah. Um, doesn't, you know, it, it does XLR output instead yeah. of USB, so you do need a converter. This is essentially a professional microphone. Um, Heil makes really, really good gear. But I thought it would be interesting to compare like the $350 super professional thing with the $150, you know, it box. Was, it was fun. It was really interesting to see the difference. The, okay. the PR40, I was so clear. Like I, f mm -hmm. I felt like I was talking to myself in my own ear. It was crazy. I couldn't hear any background noise whatsoever. Well, and that's one of the things this microphone's famous for is rejecting anything but what's yep. speaking directly into it, it. It was awesome. Yeah, I was listening to that, and I was like, man, no wonder people use this whenever they're recording music and right. things like that because it's it's perfect i loved it Heil's a pretty serious audio no wonder it's over 300 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were going to pick one of these i'm going to assume you're not going to recommend the like the 400 dollars yeah, worth of professional goodness that one's probably too expensive if you're just using this for mm -hmm. video game streaming um if you're planning on picking up room noise uh, like say if you're going to a LAN party and sure. you want people to feel like they're there, if you're doing a podcast and you want people to hear you, the Razer Siren. Mm -hmm. If you just want to pick up your own voice and not any background noise, the Blue Yeti, definitely. Cool. Yeah. Also the them. least expensive of the newer microphones right now. Yes, absolutely. They're so pretty. They are pretty. I kind of want to upgrade now because this one's just... 
Bye. <laughs> so one last question before we go. How noticeable was the difference between like the $60 mic and the $350 mic when you actually looked at your videos once they've been uploaded to Twitch? Not that different. <laughs> it really just depends right. on how your video and how your audio is converting whenever you upload it to whether it's YouTube or Twitch. So if you compress the snot out of it and then upload it, you're going to exactly. lose all of the goodness you paid for. Yeah. So if if you want the perfect quality, you know, get get a ni nicer quality microphone. Keep the quality when you're mm -hmm. uploading your video with the audio to Twitch. Don't go for the lower end. Don't you know condense your video and audio. Don't compress it. Don't first. compress it, yes. Don't compress the goodness <laughs> out of it. Hey, we got a question uh, before we go at the end of the show here. Can I see it? Can I see it? Yes. Okay, good. So this is from Drew. He said, hello, Patrick and Shannon. Longtime fan. Love the new show. My family is going to be moving to England for a few years. I need some help. I have some electronics that will only run on 110, so I need a quality power converter. Any suggestions? Also, will running an electronics off of a converter continuously cause problems? Is there a UPS that inputs at 220 but outputs at 110? I was thinking of daisy chaining the electronics to a UPS to a converter. Is this an overkill thanks from drew thank you drew <laughs> well it's really interesting right because your device depending on whether you're talking about like smartphone chargers laptop power adapters a lot of HDTVs, already work with 220 volts right um, read the label check the manual because most newer gear will actually self-sensor or adapt uh, from 120 220 volts samsung or apple they really don't want to do a different model for every different location so you just want to put a different plug adapter or cable now older devices often had a switch uh, that would go between like 120 and 220, or they didn't yeah. actually support 220 at all. So for 220 ready devices like this little USB power plug I'm holding right here, you just need an adapter like this, the OREI three-in-one UK travel adapter plug with USB and storage protecting. Uh, it's a Type G plug. Oh my and gosh, that thing looks like it's from the '80s. It does. It probably <laughs> is from the '80s. It's 15 bucks. You can plug multiple plugs into it plus USB into it. Um, if you you know if you want to spend not bad. It's not bad, but you know for six bucks you can get something like this, the VCT VP18 UK to USA plug adapter. And these are again for devices that already support 180 or 220, right? So okay. you, know, you plug one in on one side and it just converts these physical steel plug parts into the part that'll fit into their sockets. Gotcha. Now, if your device is actually 120 volts only, um, you're gonna be spending a little bit more for uh, a, a, a step-down voltage converter. Examples of this would be like the Simran SMF200. This is a 200 watt step-down voltage converter. Um, you know, the Best Tech portable six amp, four port USB charger, universal travel adapter with power converter voltage. And I like like this one and the Ezo power because they allow you to connect multiple devices. Uh, and in this case, actually charge a whole bunch of USB mm -hmm. off of a single brick. So the interesting thing about those though is they're 200 watts max. So don't bring your coffee player odor. Seriously, you need to watch <laughs> the wattage with like hair dryers and giant oh, gaming yeah. PCs, class A power amps. I can vouch for the geek. hair dryers. Yeah. Or Not fun. It's kind of funny. <laughs> or if you just have like four tablets, you could pull more wattage than this thing wants to support. So in that case, you get into things like 
Whoops. In that case, you get into things like this. The Gold Source STU-N Series 5000 watt heavy duty step up, step down voltage transformer converter. So this is 190 bucks, but it supports you know multiple, a couple devices. And more importantly, it'll support devices running like 5000 watts, which Ooh. is microwave oven territory. Don't, by the way, bring your microwave oven to the UK. <laughs> Buy one when you get there. I mean, there's dozens of examples. These are all just from Gold Source. The company's got pretty good ratings on Amazon. You know, 500 watts for 30 30 bucks, you know, a thousand watts for 50 bucks. You know, I think there's another one over here. Is it, yeah, there's, you know, 2000 watts for 80 bucks. These are all single device or you can plug a, a uh, converter thing or I adapter. I was actually thinking, no. <laughs> The thing where you plug it in once and there's like eight plugs on the other end of oh, it. Oh, you mean a power strip. Power strip yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, I mean, it, it's kind of funny. I wouldn't get into, you know, if you have a UPS, it's 120 volts, you know, take it there, plug it into one of these, uh, you know, step up, step down transformers. And I will say, having not traveled a lot internationally, I am open to suggestions from the audience. Ask at techthing.com is a good idea. because there's a bunch of people in the military who travel around the world out there. But it's, it's kind of funny because... You know, I wouldn't, I, you know, if you need a UPS, plug your UPS into something that feeds the UPS the correct power, mm -hmm. or take a look at the UPS and see if it supports 220 natively, in which case you just need that $5 plug adapter. Um, and then if you go from, like, the UK to Germany, you'll need another plug adapter. It's kind of funny. There's, there's dozens of plugs. Let's all just make something universal that works everywhere. Yeah, we screwed that up by going 120 volts in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Word. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Thing. If you like it, please subscribe at techthing.com or youtube.com slash C slash techthing and tell all of your friends about it. Yes. Yes. And of course, before we go, we do want to remind you to back up your system. Go do it right now. Also your phone. And remember, once in a while, just put down your phone and step away. Go outside and not necessarily get a tan, but just, you know, see knock what the sun down. is. <laughs> knock, knock down a fence outside. And do something analog. Like go fly a kite. I, I love these, actually. Prism Stowaway Delta Kites. They have a whole bunch of different kinds cool. of kites. These all collapse down into little tiny containers that will fit inside of your backpack. Oh, I've been really? known to travel with one. Uh, and they're really, really cool if you're road tripping with kids. Oh. Yeah, they actually have like little square kites too. That sounds fun. They're fun. Huh? I have a dragon kite at home. I haven't used it in a long time. I should go outside and do something. See, I mean, this something like this or that that that, that, that it, it's a little tube. Yeah. And you put the sticks together and you go fly <laughs> and the children love it. I think I'm going to go home and play some more Borderlands too because now I'm obsessed since I started playing again. I'm going to go fly a kite. <laughs> I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. Bye-bye. Let me do this the right way so you can actually see the link on my website. <laughs> this may make a lot more sense. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> like a death metal, like a, I know, a right? guy's death just metal Just something band super hard hardcore yeah. that just says like, everyone. Well, then they'll comment about that. <laughs> you know, there's a- In a fit of peak. There is a great deal at Target on Sunday for cat food. I don't know why I was just reminded of that, but I am. You ready? No, I'll never be ready. I'm gonna make you wait all day. Shut up. Piss off you and Paul and the audience watching at home. Okay. Bring it! And three, <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then it goes into your bag and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna bring the eight pound discus of death on the airplane with me because I love the stares from the person. Like when you get the person at the, 
at the, uh, you know you've done something awesome when you're going through um, the security check at the airport and like the person looks up from the monitor just to stare at you. <laughs> <laughs>